Hello, welcome to my Camino the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. I started to feel fully present in a way I don't think I've ever felt. And I remember this one particular time when I was I was by a stream, and it was so beautiful, and the light was reflecting on the water, and I just felt like it was me in the water. That there was there was nothing else there. There was no one else there. I was just purely connected and present with it. That was just unforgettable, that feeling. That voice you just heard is Danielle Marie Huron. And we'll get to Danielle and her recent Camino in just a moment. But first, this is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe. They say your Camino starts the moment you leave home. Others say your Camino begins the moment you decide to do it. I've conducted more than 260 interviews for this podcast. Pilgrims from all around the world have shared their journeys, their stories, their experiences, what they've learned, their fears, their triumphs, obstacles they've overcome, and what they learned from others walking the same path. Just saying those last two lines, it struck me, those experiences could relate to just about anything we encounter in life. Fears, triumphs, obstacles and that learning process. So if there's something weighing you down, explore the possibilities. Learn. If there's something lifting your wings, share. Explore. El Camino de Santiago de Compostela is an ancient pilgrimage to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James. James was said to have inspired the great warriors of Spain who fought and defeated the Moors. Remains were found at the time, buried in the Galician mountains. They were determined to be those of the great saint, one of the three Jesus confided in the most, Peter, John, and James. A massive cathedral was built to house James's remains, Santiago de Compostela, or St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims walk to lift their wings. They walk to lighten their load, to honour someone who has died to pray for someone doing it tough, to consider a next stage in their life, or to experience a true adventure. All you need to do each day is place a pack on your back, and away you go. You carry a change of clothes, a few toiletries, and the rest is up to you. It's almost four years since I was lucky enough to be on the Camino, and I'm aching to get back. There are reminders every single day in my life here in Sydney and pilgrims spot pointers and symbols all the time. But it's the spirit of the Camino that emerges most readily. A peace. A courage to face the fears, triumphs and obstacles, and to learn from them. And to offer a lending hand, or a moment to listen. For we all are pilgrims in one sense or another. We are all on this journey together. I was in my favourite travel shop this week and saw a picture of a landscape on the wall and it had a little cut-out quote in the corner. It said, Of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Well, my guest this week is Danielle Marie Huron, And I have to concede, I really don't know much about Danielle. I followed her recent Camino on Facebook via the lens of her camera. She's on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Danielle. Don't know where to begin, really. I really, really love walking and I also write. So I sort of use the two together to create material and to discover the world. I heard about the Camino through some friends and I decided to, yeah, to give it a go. What was it that appealed to you, do you think? It's hard to say, you know, because I was thinking about this a lot. And I think that people say that you you get called to the Camino, right? And when you have the calling, you you know, like you just it sort of pops into your head or into your heart and and off you go. And I think that was it. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. I've heard about it for years, but it was always just this kind of vague because I didn't know the geography. I just I I just had the name. And then I was on a different hike. I actually, I walked the length of Britain last year. And it was on this hike that I, I met these two guys who became really good friends of mine. And they, they were from the north of England and they'd met on the Camino. They just spoke about it with absolute magic. 
I think it was that feeling like I could I could see how they felt about it yeah I just decided to to go <laughs> so. and, and do you remember that moment when because I started in the in the introduction by saying that some people say your Camino begins when you say I'm going to go do you remember that moment yeah. when you said I'm going to go yeah you know I think I kind of have a policy because the more the more through hikes I've done I try not to really think about it because when I first started walking, I found it was like a real obstacle. Uh, the first step's the hardest, you know? And if I sort of overthought it and, and sat at home with all my comforts and knowing where I'm going to sleep and having a bed, I, I, I just wouldn't leave. So I, I always just kind of decide, yes, I'm doing this thing and I'm just going to go and I'm not going to think about it until I'm there taking my first step. So I think it was just this, really, that I just, I made the preparations. And obviously, it was a bit sort of up in the air with uh, with restrictions. And I was trying to sort of work out if I was actually going to get there. So yeah, it was more sort of when I was finally at the cathedral. And I had my pilgrim's pass and my backpack. Mm-hmm. And um, and I knew that was it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about the Camino Portuguese in a moment. But first, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote to you to say that your photos were exquisite. Tell us about the Camino via your photos. Hmm, that's so interesting. So in the photographs, I tried to get just a feeling, sort of, for me, the Camino was so varied. It was about walking through towns and villages, particularly once you leave Lisbon, because um, I followed the Tagus River for a long time. There was a lot of um, very interesting villages and um, I learned so much about different Portuguese writers and I really wanted to document that as much as beautiful sunsets or vistas or more beautiful landscapes uh, in the north. So I think I was just trying to capture what it was like to walk through this landscape Mm. and also for me I didn't want to sort of give the wrong impression because a lot of the landscape you walk through it's ruins because mm. Portugal sort of once had this the sort of glorious empire and there are so many amazing houses that are just sitting around empty. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to sort of be a, a voyeur sort of going through a landscape and misunderstanding it. So I was trying to just get everything. Also, photograph the ruins, photograph the, the high streets or the shops, photograph the hills and try and actually give a, a, a rounded picture of, of what the landscape and the Camino was like. Yeah, the photographs are absolutely exquisite, as I said. And you wrote a piece that I read on the Camino All Roots page, and you started by saying, I just wanted to say a little of what it was like to walk out of Lisbon, to walk out from those streets and to to not know whether it was that new world of eucalyptus trees or dogs barking, the endless light on water or the pastel de noites that allowed me to put down the circus in my head only that I did. Tell us about the circus in your head. Wow, um, that's such a great question. And um, yeah, for me, this was, um, I feel like this was sort of my Camino lesson. I feel like on any sort of long walk, and particularly on the Camino, there's something for you to be taught. This was a big one for me. Um, I, I've done a lot of walking alone. Like I normally walk alone and I, I really, really enjoy it. And I'm always sort of happy that, to say that, yes, I can walk alone and it's fine for me. But the Camino, after a few days, I felt like it sort of showed me that I've never actually walked alone because I've always been walking with just the, the various sort of things that are going around in your head and, you know, your your thoughts, your fears, your anxieties or, or just, you know, the, the chatter, basically. And it was just, I, I became so aware of it that um, at one point I sort of asked, I sort of just asked it to walk with me. You know, I sort of said all of these different versions of me or, or thoughts or fears, just, just walk the Camino with me. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and drown you out. I'm not going to try and ignore you. Mm. Just walk with me. Mm. And after saying that, after a few more days, I started to feel fully present in a way I don't think I've ever felt. And I remember this one particular time when I was, I was by a stream and it was so beautiful and the light was reflecting on the water. 
and I just felt like it was me in the water that there was there was nothing else there there was no one else there I was just purely connected and present with it that was just unforgettable that feeling that's really interesting because at that moment that's all there is really there is no one else yeah nothing else <laughs> exactly exactly and it's um I think it can be hard for us as, as humans to to, un- to to actually feel that because we're just so we're so busy in our heads yeah. all the time and of course it's 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 natural and it's good for us to, to be busy because in our daily lives there are concerns there are things to be done there's a to-do list there are worries mm. but when you're on the Camino those those things are no longer applicable and if you're worrying about them, it's it's misplaced. Yeah. It, interesting, when I read your piece, I saw the word aloneness. And mm. I thought, wow, aloneness, that's a great concept. I, I really mm. liked that. And that was my next question. How do you describe that feeling? But I think you've perfectly described it. But perhaps it was that aloneness that gave you the perspective to write things like this. There were days mm. where the weather was so dark that clouds hung not that much different from the old stonework, as if falling down from their own weight. That's beautiful writing. Did you always have a kind of perspective that was capable of of that kind of introspection? You know, like, have you always been a deep thinker or did the Camino sort of make you have this sort of realisation, wow, you know, I'm seeing things more clearly now? (laughs) Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. I think that there's a... There's such a connection between walking and deep thinking. And I feel like the more walking I've done, the more it helps me to to be in that place. Mm. And the Camino just helped me so much. I, I think, I mean, I've been off it for just over a week and I'm definitely not thinking like that anymore. I'm already sort of absorbed in my my work and my life. So undoubtedly the, the Camino um, took me to that place. You write about ancient places, dilapidated heydays. I love that line. Roads where the cars going by made all time and life outside of my Camino seem a crazy, beautiful carousel. So how has the Camino resonated with you now you are home? Hmm, it's a great question too. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've lost that feeling. So just I think what it taught me about my own my own thought process and perhaps how I was using energy in a way that wasn't productive. I think that was almost a, that was a real aha moment for me. And I think those are the kind of things that you can take back into your daily life. Obviously, I sadly can't be on the Camino right now. Um, I wish. <laughs> but I think those those feelings and those realizations do change you and they do stay with you. And that's perhaps why we sort of all long to go back because we want that feeling back and we want more revelations. Um, but I, I think we can we can take them into our everyday lives and perhaps when we're sort of back commuting or on the train and there are there are stresses, we can take ourselves back to that Camino state and perhaps react in a slightly different way to the mm. everyday stresses of our world. Yeah, what a wonderful gift. What a gift it it can give us. What's one word you'd use to describe the Camino? Oh, my goodness. That's such a challenge. One word. Um, Can I say transcendental? Mm, That's a great word, yeah. I think think it, it made me feel like this. It made me feel like, yeah, I could, I was sort of, I was outside of so many things. I was sort of outside of my own life I suppose and my own normal kind of head and I was outside of the cities I was going through and you're just sort of able to yeah to watch everything to observe everything and completely afresh because I didn't know any of the landscape I'd never been to Portugal I was very ignorant about um the the politics or the history so yeah it just kind of helped me to I guess get outside and, and to see things differently yeah how brilliant you wrote about uh, crossing a coastline where there was so much water that it made me see its counterpart, the land. Yeah. A blue day on water blinding me to the English concept of Spain as tapas and British lad holidays and putting a real place in front of me. We'll get to Spain in a moment, but you write there about the coast 
uh, I don't, I've never walked the Camino Portuguese. What's the coast like? And, and, and take a step back and talk through more of your learning and understanding of Portugal that you just mentioned. Yes. The thing is, I find it really annoying, but after I've done a walk, like now I've finished the Camino, I immediately forget all the place names. And I find it so infuriating because I can see it all in my head. But I, I feel like all, all of the place names, you you learn them for a day or two because it's important to you because you have to sleep there or you have to visit there. And then I sort of forget. So I'm not so good with naming all of the places. But this line, I wrote it because I came to a very, very old bridge and it was the first time I'd actually got to the sea so if you walk the coastal the Portuguese coastal Camino you can you can go from Porto and follow the coast but I had stayed inland and this was the first time when I actually I think the day before I'd been in a woodland and I'd seen the the sea for the first time through the trees and then um, the subsequent day um, was when I was when I wrote that line and I was walking over the bridge and I just brought I don't know, it sort of brought Spain alive for me. And I feel like before you visit a place, you only have, you have such a kind of very two-dimensional concept of it. And I feel that being British, um, Spain is the place where people go to get a tan and to to have a sort of a, a stag do and to drink. And there are places in Spain infamous for, for this kind of British culture, like Magaluf or even the Algarve. I think that's probably a lot of what, what I knew of, of Portugal or Spain. So I just, I love the fact that for me seeing a coast, it sort of, it gives you the shape of something mm. and, and you start to see, oh, this is a, this is a, a complete country with, with a coastline and, um, and so much history and topography. And, and it was just a really nice feeling to, to see, to feel like I was seeing some of the, yeah, yeah. some of the realness and aliveness of the place. Wow. Great answer. That's awesome. I really love that that concept. That's you've just made me want to walk the Camino Portuguese just then. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> I spoke in the introduction about the Camino providing an opportunity to learn. What did you learn mm. about yourself on your Camino? Mm. So I think I, I mean it probably just goes back to my same um <laughs> sort of revelation, but I, I suppose just the fact that I was yeah, that I was, I was thinking too much perhaps about things or perhaps thinking, you know, I think that we live in such a crazy world with social media and and everything is about, I guess, presenting an image and being observed. And I think it can be very easy to to start to live your life in that state. I, I sort of feel it's almost like a, like a sort of third person view of your life when you're not really in it. You're just sort of seeing um, how how you should be living and sort of seeing how people would perceive you. And I just feel like there's something about the Camino and, and walking it that, yeah, just put me there in my footsteps and yeah. and showed me that I need to be more present perhaps in my in my life in general. And um, yeah, not, not so much analyzing. So I think it, it taught me an awful lot about myself. And it was and it was uncomfortable, you know, that's the other thing because I I didn't really have any discomfort from the walking that much, but I found I had discomfort being alone and just sort of walking alone for that many days. And I think it was but it was good discomfort because of of what it showed me. Yeah. I want to get to that in a moment, walking alone. That's really interesting. Mm. But you wrote in, in the piece on the Camino All Roots, I thought about how you don't really have to do anything about emotions other than to feel them like you do the path underfoot, the roughness of the way, the pebbles. The track I was walking through as I rolled up the mileage like a rug with each step and tramped past signs like poetry telling me that there was only 80-something kilometres to go walking until a man said something about the Camino with the word Pachito in it, and I reckoned it was about the little distance I had left to go. Were you surprised by the way you felt, this lightness, this gift of the day? Did it surprise you? Mm, yeah, perhaps. I think I, yeah, I think I sort of, I felt, I mean, this was sort of, I suppose, towards the end of the Camino, and I was, I was feeling things coming together, and I felt like, 
I had such a gift at that point, really. It was like everything seems... I feel like I'd been sort of given the gift and and, and shown what I needed to be yeah. to be shown, and then yeah. things would just yeah I suppose come together. So there was just yeah sort of magic in that moment. I feel like I was almost at the end, and there was also before I met that man. I remember there was um, a shrine, and I sort of sat by it, and it was it was talking about the the divine mystery, and I just I just felt like that divine mystery was in everything all of a sudden because yeah. I didn't understand a lot like I didn't really understand the language and um like that all the landscape was being revealed to me all the time and but there was divinity in that and I was just really struck with that feeling of it being being sort of a like holy a, a holy walk a holy landscape and yeah wow tell us about your staff oh yes so um, I have this with me because I, I flew it back to the UK. Um, so I think I'm going to, I think it probably needs to be passed on. I think all good sort of Camino staffs need, they need to go on journeys. So I think for my next Camino, I will find a new person for it. But um, it was it was given to me. So normally when I go on hikes, I, I always find a staff along the way and I sort of wait for it. I don't go looking. I'll sort of wait to see the perfect staff just leaning against the tree or or such um and I hadn't seen anything on the Camino I don't know why I probably just wasn't looking properly but I just it hadn't come to me so I just accepted that I was going to be staffless and then I went into a shop it was a Camino shop just to ask for a for a stamp and I was talking to the lady in there this lovely lady um and I was talking to her actually about the this difficulty I'd had walking alone and just sort of the the uncomfortable revelations of my walk. And she just sort of went out to the back and then she came, she came back with this with the staff and said, um, a man had walked 10 Caminos with it. And he'd said to her, I'm going to leave it with you. Give it to the, to, to the right pilgrim or to the pilgrim of your choice. Just pass it on to someone who you think needs this staff <laughs> that person was me she she gave it to me and it's so beautiful and yes I I'm currently sort of hiking England with it wow <laughs> yeah that's great what a wonderful story so that staff could tell you some stories right absolutely I mean it must know the Camino so well 10 Caminos yeah but I think it will be a guiding force when the when the time is right how wonderful that's such yeah. a great story what a wonderful gift to, to take back with you too to have standing in the corner of the room reminding you all the time that you need to get out and walk yeah exactly and and I have kind of a collection from every single hike that I've done so so they've all got their own stories and yeah, yeah I, I like it <laughs> yeah you mentioned about walking alone and and having some uh, concerns and, and voicing those concerns to the shopkeeper. So tell us about that and I suppose the day-to-day of that, Danielle. Did you feel safe? Yeah, honestly, I think I always felt safe, like nearly all of the time. Um, I felt like for the moment I got to Portugal because I'd actually never walked outside of the UK before. So for me... Um, being brought up in the UK, I always felt very safe walking in England um, alone because we have a walking culture. And I think if someone sees a, a person walking alone on a hill, it's just, it's totally fine because you, you just think they're just going for a ramble. It's fine. Whereas I've walked other places in the world alone and it definitely has not been fine. And there's a lot of, you know, sort of cultural reasons behind it. But you do have to sort of think about these things and... I wasn't sure going to the Camino what it was going to be like and if I would feel okay about it. But from the moment I got to Portugal, I just found people were so friendly. People were too friendly, honestly, (laughs) because every town I went into, um, I couldn't even go a slightly different way from the Camino because people would just start yelling at me. They would all start pointing. (laughs) Camino, Santiago, pointing in sort of the other direction. (laughs) And I had to explain many times, I'm just going to the shop or... I just thought I'd go around this corner and have a look or it, it was all the time. So um, I, I just found really friendly, welcoming people. Uh, every single village 
without fail, um, everyone I passed, they would say, hola, botad, hola, botad. And <laughs> I would just say it over and over and over again and um, and sort of meet all of the locals. And there'd always sort of be a group of old women sitting outside and then a group of old men on the other side of the road. And, um, it was just, it, it was it was great. So, no, I, I mean, I can't say I ever felt concerned about it. Uh, most of it is quite near habitations, so there aren't many stretches when you feel like you're truly alone. And I guess that helps because you feel like there's always security and there's always a place to get provisions. It's not like uh, I've done quite a lot of walking in Scotland or north of England and like there it's really sort of wild and you are alone. Yeah. So it wasn't like that at all. It was it felt very safe. And yeah, I, I would encourage anyone to to walk it alone. Yeah, fantastic. So what date did you leave Lisbon? That's a great question. Um, I think it's the 17th. Uh, I have everything obviously posted so I can check, yeah. but I think it's the 17th of December. Okay. So was it busy at that time of year? And and what was the weather like to be walking sort of, that's really sort of peak winter, isn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> so I live in Scotland. So for me, it was blazing hot uh, I went up about honestly I mean it was about 50 10 to 15 degrees hotter than Scotland and there was about an hour or more sunlight one of the first days I got to Lisbon one of my friends took me to the beach uh, it's a beautiful place called Airy Sarah that lots of people go to from Lisbon and we walked along the beach and then we were having um, a drink as the sun sets and I just said to him like what exactly is the time? Because it seems like it's much later, but it's still light. And it was getting close to six. Um, and it, it, in Scotland, it was dark by four every day in December. So for me, I it was just going on, like going on a summer holiday. Um, and there weren't many, like it was never really cold. It, it rained quite a lot. So it was only this. So there, there were some days of heavy, heavy rain where you just had to put on all the waterproofs and... Um, to sort of slodge through it but it was never I was never cold at all and I think it's hard isn't it because when you think of a winter Camino it's so hard to know what to pack or what to bring and before I did the Portuguese I was considering the French routes and people were warning me that there'd be snow and and I was thinking I'd, I'd sort of need proper gear but for the Portuguese I think it was almost the perfect weather because in the summer it obviously gets very hot yeah it was almost perfect walking weather because there were some blazing blue days. Um, I was walking in T-shirt and leggings some of those days. Wow. How fantastic. And two, yeah. two parts to this question. Were there many other pilgrims and did you find it easy to find a bed? Yeah. So in terms of other pilgrims, no, there, there really weren't. Um, up until Porto, so the first, because most of the pilgrims start in Porto and do Porto to Santiago. But because I started in Lisbon and obviously it was December, uh, there, was, there was no one. Um, I, met, I met two pilgrims going to Fatima, so the other way to me. And I met them, I think I'd been walking about a week at that point. And I was so excited to see them. I almost pounced on them. And um, <laughs> we had a lovely chat and um, it, was, yeah, it was a beautiful meeting. But apart from that, no one um, until Porto. But it was really easy to find places to stay. Uh, almost all of the albergs were, were open. And I generally just called on the day or I booked the night before. Everyone was very accommodating. They opened them up for me. I mean, it was a little bit strange because some of the albergs, they're, they're almost like houses. Yeah. And I sort of went in and there were sort of two dorm rooms and a kitchen and, but there was no one there. At one place, the guy let me in and we had a good chat and then he just left and I thought, oh, okay, well, it's just me then. Um, I guess I'll just, um, yeah, make some food and do some writing. And it was, you know, very, it was a good chance to think and just, uh, yeah, sort of stay in the solitude. So it depends, I suppose, your reasons for walking the Camino because, if you're walking for the Camino family and for the, the socialising aspects, that's not really the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, you, if you want to be alone or I've heard some people do the Camino in silence, mm. which I think is beautiful. So if you're looking for a silent walk, then definitely recommended. And 
from Porto onwards, there were pilgrims, not a lot, but there there were, and we sort of walked not exactly together, but there was I was once in a line. There were two men in front of me, um, two friends from Sri Lanka. And for me, that was such a, a lineup because I'd been alone since Lisbon. So even to have two pilgrims in front of me was crazy. And I kept sort of meeting them at different albergs, which was fun because you're sort of, you're on the same journey. And I also met, um, I met two Dutch girls. I met a guy from Budapest. So we were all sort of walking, not exactly together, but I'd sort of see them along the way. So I had a bit of a community from from Porto onwards. How did you spend Christmas? Good question. Um, so my original Christmas plans, I, I have friends in Porto and I decided because when I when I chose to do the Camino, I obviously chose to do it at a, a typically very social time when you should be with family. And I obviously I knew that was going to be somewhat difficult and challenging. So I decided I'll organise the sort of the key holidays to be with friends. So I'll have like Christmas with friends and New Year's with friends. And then it will be a nice balance. But it didn't happen because it just took me too long to get to Porto. I I kind of fell in love with Lisbon and I didn't leave soon enough. So I started my Camino late. And then I think perhaps I was, I, I'm always slower than I imagine. You know, if you sort of look at your itinerary, mm. it always takes me longer than I think because I just look at everything. So I was actually in the city of Tomar for Christmas. It's, it's a beautiful ancient city and it was, in some ways, it was the perfect place to be because it wasn't too busy and it was so stunning. The moment I got there, I actually met someone. He, he lives like 10 miles from my house in Scotland. <gasps> Um, and his brother like farms all the land. And it was so funny to sort of, because I, I sort of sat down, I got to tomorrow on Christmas Eve and I sort of put my pack down and I was sitting in the square and trying to get my bearings. And then this man comes over and says to me, are, are you doing the Camino? And you know, when you're sort of, when you're traveling and you immediately try to place someone's accents and I didn't hear Scottish to begin with. I, I thought he was Portuguese, I think. So I was trying to sort of work it out. And after we spoke a bit more, I suddenly realised, oh, he's he's has a Scottish accent. So um, that was so funny that we had that meeting and he knew sort of different locals. So I got to hang out with them and I walked around the city and I went to the old, um, the Knights Templar Castle, which was beautiful. Mm. So it, it was really nice. It wasn't the Christmas I'd planned. That's kind of the Camino, isn't it? You just go with yeah. what happened. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. I was looking through your photographs and, this morning, and, and and I was thinking, oh wow, that's beautiful. That's so lovely that you often take <laughs> pictures of the of the path in front of you, rarely the path behind you, and you you often frame your own uh, image with the path in front of you, which I think is really a lovely picture, uh, showing this is where I'm headed. But then I then <laughs> I stumbled on a picture of a a fruit tree, and I couldn't tell if they were mandarins or apricots or oranges, and I. I I don't know why I wrote here, did you eat fruit from the side of the road? <laughs> That's a great question, actually, because um, it links to Tomar also, because when I was um, at the Knights Templar Castle, I met this lady and she was staying in a van nearby. And, um, and we were talking about this because the air was so fragrant and I couldn't quite place it. I think it was it was the orange trees. And I think there was also thyme in the air. Mm. And we started talking about eating the fruit because there's so much of it. And it's like, why not? So I, I, I certainly did a little bit. Yeah, I, I ate um, a lot along the Camino. There are so many orange trees. So I certainly did try some of it. I also picked some up and sort of left them as offerings on the Camino markers. Yeah. And I saw like others had done it too. They'd left sort of apples that were fermenting in the sun on the on the Camino signs. For me, it's it's such a kind of rich experience to do that because we don't have orange trees in England. And <laughs> I'm always amazed by them just to see, just to have a scene where you can see orange trees. And I took a picture um, of an orange tree in a field next to a sheep because I just never seen that. The, the sort of colour that was everywhere. And it just always seems so, it's so fruitful and so vibrant. And 
it's why I love fig trees as well. You can just pick the figs and it's just seems so abundant and you see you feel like you're so um cared for you can just walk and and eat this fruit directly yeah i spoke with a canadian pilgrim lyndon penner uh late last year he wrote the book the way of the gardener lost in the weeds along the camino de santiago he's a a botanist and and a, a, a gardener in from canada and he said what a wonderful thing to do to plant a fig tree or an orange tree or a lemon tree or a pear tree, knowing that people for potentially generations will stop and eat the fruit. It's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? It's so great. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And um, actually in the UK, before I came to the Camino, we had a really big storm called Storm Arwen. It was one of the worst storms that we've seen for a long, long time. And the destruction was just incredible. And so many of the trees fell. And I was talking about it with friends today because there are still huge areas of woodland that you can't walk through. And it was just a massive clearing operation. And it was so sad to see because I live in a place with many, many trees. And some of them were very old. And they'd been planted by some of my friends, sort of their previous generations. Mm. And it was just awful to see these these fallen trees, and and we were saying that we are we should we should plant new ones, and obviously we can't really see the results, but future generations will, and they'll get to yeah. stand beneath the great oaks again. And yeah, wow, yeah. I think that's fabulous yeah. to leave something that you'll never see, but others will yeah. will reap uh, the fruit from for years. So let's go yeah. back to to Portugal slash Spain, uh, December January. If I could take you back to just one place, one night, one day, where would it be? Oh, that's such a hard question. Do you know what I think I'm going to say? Because there were a few times when I had um, like amazing encounters and like in Porto, like I stayed at this amazing alberg and, and met many wonderful people. But I think actually I'm going to choose this night. And I was walking, it was actually the day I left Tomar. Because I, I loved Tomar so much and I spent, I think, three days there. And I was very reluctant to leave, but I knew there was more, there, were, there were more good things ahead of me. So I left and then I just had the most glorious walk. And I was high up, sort of like sh- on, it was like shrubland, not exactly moorland. And the sun started setting and I came to this shrine just sort of by the side of it. And there were pictures of people on the shrine and messages left and... And I was reading them all. And then I started to hear the church bells ringing. Because one thing that really struck me in Portugal was the fact that all the churches, rather than playing bells, they they played music, like recorded music. Oh. And I'd never heard this before, and it just fascinated me. Wow. Because it was, it was almost so out of place with the landscape as well. It was almost, almost like to kind of sound like pop tunes. Wow. And, um, and this particular church was playing jingle bells. So I sort of walked down in this like twilight, like losing the light with this like, blaring sunset, just to the sound of jingle bells. And when I got to that village, I quickly realised that the, the church, it was going to play jingle bells every half an hour up until like midnight. <laughs> and then... It started again about six in the morning, I would say. Maybe earlier because it woke me up. I've just woken up to the sound of, of Jingle Bell. Just an incredible mix of the of like the, the beauty and the aloneness and then this kind of pop Jingle Bells. Yeah, I think I'd go there. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you said these churches are playing sort of pop tunes, I'm thinking, you know, they're playing... Rick Astley never going to give you up at you know at midnight or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. That would be amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. So here you are. You're you're back home um, in the UK. What do you miss most? Do you think about the Camino? Oh, everything. <laughs> I miss I miss the yellow arrows a lot. Mm. That's always the, the problem when you finish the Camino and sort of got to the cathedral and it's like oh there there are no yellow arrows anymore. Yeah. Where where do I go exactly? Yeah. You need direction. Yeah, you need a new direction. And um, I miss people saying Bon Camino to me. 
that's yeah that's certainly something I miss and just just walking every day just yeah. for me there's nothing better than just getting up and putting my walking boots on and just mm. knowing I'm just gonna walk I'm just gonna follow the arrows and I'm gonna see things I've never seen before and there's nothing to really worry about I will get to my destination at the end of the day yeah. and just that that aliveness is something I desperately miss and I'm I've already planned my return to the Camino right as soon as possible there you go that so. was that was my second last question my third last question is where does this adventurous spirit come from Danielle oh that's a very good question I I honestly don't know um but it's getting worse <laughs> as I the older I get um I think like when I was, I mean, when I was very young, I, I walked a lot with, like, my father was a big walker. He would sort of drag me everywhere on these big hikes. And I think, like, I still remember sort of as I became a teenager and I would start to go on walks around, like, like leave the landscape that I knew and start to just walk around the landscape, the woods near my house or the fields or, and just sort of realise that I could walk to places, you know, because I think... When you're a child and adults take you everywhere, you don't kind of realise how things connect. But I started to realise, oh, if I walk for half an hour, I can get to this wood that, that I know. And and it just sort of started to get worse and worse. I, I wanted to then sort of connect all of England up and then connect Europe up. And, um, and I just, yeah, I just love it. There's nothing better for me than to, than to walk with a pack on my back and to see the world, you know. I think there's... There's so much of the world that we just don't know and don't understand. And I really love the fact that I got to Portugal and I hadn't really made an effort to learn the language, which was silly of me, but it's kind of nice though to be thrown in there and then to realise, oh, I've got to, got to listen to what everyone's saying and I've got to learn some new cultural norms and, and learn about some new landscape. And for me, that, that, that's the stuff of life, you know, and the mm. Camino gives that to you and in abundance. Yeah. Wow. It's been a great chat. Danielle, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, but I'm not going to let you go without oh, no. <laughs> telling us a Camino story. Oh, yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about this a lot because I was trying to think about what, what a story is and what, you know, which part of my Camino warranted the the sort of title of, of being a story like this is my my favorite story of the Camino I think actually my entire Camino is the story you know and I think that the fact that every day I would I feel like each day gave me a feeling it gave me a a feeling in my heart or almost like a color you know, of like everything that had happened that day and the the way the weather had been or the people that I met. And I feel like then every day I would sort of try and summarise that with language and try and make the sort of the story of the day, the Camino story. And I think that's the story, the the whole thing, the whole impression that it's left with me. Yeah, because I, I feel like there are so many things that that happened. And one of my favourites, I suppose, was when was actually Christmas Eve and I was in this eucalyptus forest Mm. and it was actually like the first like steep bit there'd been at all but it was really really steep and I was going up it and I guess I was sort of realizing oh it's Christmas Eve and I'm just sort of here in this eucalyptus forest and like why, why am I here in this eucalyptus forest I should be like with loved ones and I and I started to record messages actually it's like to call people or send voice notes and and then I just sort of thought, well, no, like this is this is my Camino. Like I chose to go on this this pilgrimage, and it's natural that I'm going to to have these kind of feelings. And I, I sort of when I came out of the forest, and I, I was in this tiny, tiny village, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'll go to the bar just to like get uh, some water or refreshments. And I walked in, and it was actually full of locals, like celebrating their their Christmas Eve. So immediately they they sort of welcomed me and one of them, he, he I speak Italian and not Portuguese, but so luckily he spoke Italian. So I was able to sort of converse and the lady behind the, 
counter was getting out these like massive sort of star donuts for everyone <laughs> and, and and he sort of said to her like she needs to have one now you know it's still like six kilometers to Tamar and goodness knows how many to Santiago so like give her give her the star yeah I just I just stood there with them all and I just I loved the fact that, that was my my Christmas star and I felt like it was kind of guiding me because obviously the the nativity story people get guided by the by the star the star of Bethlehem and it kind of felt like that was my my guiding star to Tamar and wow. yeah how wonderful that's a great story the joy you must have felt walking out of that bar yeah exactly I mean there were so many times like that where I would sort of go I'd come off the par that sort of path and find a bar to yeah get food or mm. drinks because there are so many on the Camino you don't really have to worry I always had food with me but you often want a hot coffee or something when yeah. you're sort of coming off uh, just the path that had been raining. And I had so many of them that were just, they were so refreshing because it just felt like a real interaction with locals. And then I'd be bouncing off afterwards just from this great moment that had happened. And there was another one actually just before I crossed into Spain where I went into a bar and it was, it was full of locals. And there was this really old man in a suit like playing cards and I sort of managed to converse in like broken Portuguese with Italian. And I learned so much And that there was one guy who was, who was about my age. And I was sort of asking him about what his life was like there. Because for me, everything was beautiful and fascinating. But I also wanted to understand that this is people's lives. And I know that Portugal has a pretty poor economy. So if you live there, I wanted to see the other side of it, you know, not just... I'm just walking through it. I'm not. I'm not staying in these places. But what yeah. is it like to stay there? And that was really important for me um, to see. Yeah, to see all sides of the landscape. That's right. That slow tourism, isn't it? That step by step journey is just so wonderful to cherish every moment. It's so great to be able to do it in your time. It's yeah. so so wonderful. Oh, Danielle, I talked about lightness and and learning in the introduction, and you've certainly shed some light on all of us in the course of this interview, I really want to say thank you so much for your spirited adventure and thanks for sharing your wonderful journey of photographs and prose and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and buen camino to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been such a joy for me um, sharing my camino, writing about it, taking pictures. It's just, that was the real joy for me, I guess, not... Yes, to walk in alone, but then to kind of share the experience with everyone else and just try to share that, try to give words to that feeling because yeah. that's such a challenge, like to word the Camino, to word your walk. And I think that's sort of what I meant about the, yeah, sort of seeing the colour or the feeling and yeah. you feel the joy and you feel the connection, but I really want to articulate that as well. So it's such a pleasure to be able to to attempt to do that um, <laughs> on your on your podcast. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. My guest this week was the British pilgrim, Danielle Marie Huron. You can find Danielle's posts and prose on Instagram or via the Camino All Roots page on Facebook. And you can find Danielle on Instagram at Danielle Marie Huron, H-U-R-R-E-N. Of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. <laughs> Love it. Thanks for your company this week. Look, just a, a short note, and I thank you for staying so long this week. I'm working on a new album. If you'd like to buy my last album, Duende, which includes the song Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song, go to my website, danmullinsmusic.com. We have stock in the United States, so shipping will be minimal, uh, and we can get it to you pretty cheap. So if you'd like to buy a copy of my album, Duende, danmullinsmusic.com. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. When you ask how I've been here without you I'd like to say I've been fine and I do But we both know the truth is hard to come by And if I 
told the truth that's not quite true Some days are diamonds Some days are stones Sometimes the hard times won't leave me alone Sometimes the cold wind blows a chill in my bones Some days are diamonds Oh